hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Store. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 52, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well. Brennan, how are you? I'm not too bad. Good. I uh, had a little bit of a, a last minute... Uh, last minute run around trying to get this episode organized. It was a weird one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is of course recording this on Valentine's day. Yes. With the fact that we're sitting in a dark cabin together together on Valentine's. Yeah. Let's not entertain this. Pretty sad. Yeah. And it makes it worse because the topic of today's episode was supposed to be people who have sex with ghosts. Yes. Well, which sounded intriguing in theory. Yes, and the guys found lots of uh, funny articles. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say art. They weren't funny on their face, but you know, looking at them, you they're think, okay, funny to us. they're funny to us. <laughs> but then we we started trying to put it all together, and we realized, okay, so there, there's not enough in these articles no. to make a show. No. So then we thought, well, let's find first person stories yeah. of people who had sex with ghosts. And you and I reading anything to do with sex out loud to each other uh-huh. or or to a public uh-huh. was horrifying. It is horrifying beyond compare. Yeah. So we've com- prepared a little, a little, uh, clip reel just uh, so. Uh, sort of a soup song of <laughs> these stories. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you can understand why we ended up switching gears on this one. Roll tape. Now I can feel his hands easily. It's like my skin is boiling and vibrating. The pleasure is incredible. God. I'm not gay. Even though I've been having sex with a male ghost and at times it was pure ecstasy. Um. Then I started to see it. An outline, a hazy shade of a human form. It looked like a teenage boy, no older than myself. Okay. He often forced me to stay in his fortress, and every time I escaped, he would send his army after me to bring me back. The fact that I'm his wife here makes me never want to get married in real life. I'm 15 years... No. When the lights are off, I stare and try to see if I can see him, but all I see is blackness moving. One day while I was laying down, I felt something thrust... You know what? Let's just... (laughs) Do listeners' stories. Let's do that. Let's do that. And that was the worst thing I've ever done, ever. I I don't feel right. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I feel like I need an adult. I need to well, talk and, to someone. And we're pretty good about making stupid jokes about sex, but no, these are gross and or <laughs> stupid. Well, or they involve people having sex with ghostly teenagers. Bear in mind, folks, these are all real stories that we just read to you. Yeah. Those are all clips from real things we found. And I'm confused that that line about he, if I escape his fortress. Yeah. I, the hell? I, that woman was from Romania and there was a whole Vlad the Impaler bent <laughs> to that story. It sounds more like fan fiction. Yeah. It was, it was weird. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm not sad no. that we're not doing no. The original version of the Ghost I with like Two I like the bags. idea of it. I thought it was a clever idea. Yeah. But it's just not No, as it turns out, uh, you and me talking about a not gay man uh, who enjoys anal stimulation <laughs> from a ghost. Um, no. No, I'm good. No. And that's how our Patreon dried up in <laughs> yeah, one episode. Right. The Patreon went to minus 30. We owe everyone <laughs> We owe everyone money. money. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, ghost sex is not happening. So instead, we are doing an episode of Listener Stories. Which 
I love so. I love. Yep, I absolutely love it. Yeah. And we have some uh, some great long stories. Yeah, this time a lot of long form stuff. So we should get to it. Uh, we do have a musical guest on this week's show. Oh, great! Who's that? They are Artemisis. Ooh. Yes, the song is called "Why Don't You Laugh," and that is a single released this year. So you can find more from them at Artemisis. That's like Art and Nemesis. I like put it. together I minus like the it. end. Clever. Yes, and dot uh, bandcamp.com, and they also have a video, or at least pardon me, I should say at least one video. Cool. On um, YouTube. Is it good? It's pretty nice. good. Nice. I'm not going to say no, but it is actually good. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's good stuff. I actually just played the song on my radio show yesterday. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, people... So we've got this tie-in thing, this whole multi-brand alignment thing going on. That's, is that's that what it, you're yeah. doing? My, my uh, media empire, <laughs> such as it is. Lightly the Truth Incorporated. <laughs> you figured me out. <laughs> All right. So coming up after the break, Listener Stories, Volume 8. said before the break, today's episode is going to be listener stories. Yay! Uh, but before we get to that, uh, during the break, I was showing Ian the video for Artemis' mm. song, and it's all set at an amusement park. Yes. Which is a ton of fun. And it, it reminded me, uh, recently I saw a movie called Scream Park, oh, which no. is a slasher film oh, set geez. in a, a closed amusement park. <laughs> now, I don't like to trash talk people's work because it's hard to get a movie made, yeah. period. But uh, this was not... A very good movie. Really? I had more fun in the three and a half minutes of watching Artemis' video than I did in the <laughs> entirety oh, of Screen no. Park. Did you watch all of it? Oh, yeah. I paid Even five bucks to terrible? rent the damn thing. I'll watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but w- in, usually when I watch a movie, I post it on the Ghostery Guys on our Instagram stories. Right. So then you know, sometimes it kickstarts a little bit yeah, of a discussion, yeah. which is kind of cool. And what I do is I tag the director. Right. And funny enough, uh, the other day, Casey Tebow, who directed the film Happy Birthday, actually sent us a little note saying thank you, which was kind of neat. But uh, I really was going, I was going to do that for Scream Park, but then I found the director's Instagram and I thought, he hasn't, I don't know that he's done much since. Oh. His Instagram's mostly just kind of him lifting weights and stuff. And I thought. So you're worried he might actually respond? Yes. (laughs) And engage. So I just thought, no, I'll just leave it where it is. That's funny yeah it's, it might uh, really mean something to him though it may have we'll never know but what if he what if he's like oh what do you think of the movie and you're like it was garbage well that's it i don't yeah. want to lie i don't want to say you know because he knows i mean it, mind you it got picked up by i think vinegar syndrome picked it up for release so you know because the film's seven years old now oh, but wow. um anyways yeah you so can just tell him it's unique and it's one of a kind and all those things it of all the slasher films i've seen set in abandoned amusement amusement parks it is the best 
there you go that's awesome <laughs> yeah so anyways just it made me think of that and also before we get to the stories how are things progressing with uh, your brain trouble <laughs> the trouble with brains yes um good i'm taking the once a month injection right and um my what's his uh, name again my growth hormones are going down you're hilarious thank you um my growth hormone levels are going down Good. Which baffles me because I keep reading about weightlifters who are deliberately injecting human growth hormone. Oh, of course. Yeah, Don't yeah, do HGH, this, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do this. Um, so that's really good. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm almost at a normal level for my growth hormones. So I see a neurosurgeon on the 28th of February. Right. And we'll see where we go from there. Fantastic. Yeah. So really, I mean, thinking about this, if you'd be decided to become a bodybuilder, yes. you could have been a monster. Well, I am a monster, but with the wrong kind of bulk. That's yeah, the yeah, problem. yeah. That's, yeah no. <laughs> it's all about distribution. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's probably why for years people have come up to me when I'm wearing shorts and been like, oh, you know, how do you, what's your leg routine? Because I have huge muscular caps. Really? Yeah, and I do nothing other than haul my own bulk around. I'm so glad I've never seen your legs. So maybe that's why. Maybe it makes sense now. Maybe that's why. Yeah. It's just everyday walking and I get super muscle. Oh growth, man, if you've so. been out there getting those gains. Yeah, well, never going to be me. I, I used to go to the gym all the time and do, um, oh, what's that machine called? Oh, the elliptical. The elliptical. He looks like a, a father dancing at a wedding, just so everyone <laughs> has a visual um, there. Because it's super easy on your joints. Right, of course. And yeah, yeah. Um, as a 300-pound man, I, I use it often. <laughs> and I really, really liked it. I really got into it. I'd watch a show only at the gym, yep. and I would do an hour on the elliptical. But what completely turned me off from ever wanting to go in and do weights was those idiots coming in and like yelling and run. You're like, just stop. <laughs> just stop it. Yeah. The gym I go to is uh, a weightlifter's gym. Right. You know, it's one of the only sort of pure iron gyms in town. Right. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, you know, I used to work out at a place that was basically a health club. Yeah. But the dumbbells maxed out at about 80 pounds. <laughs> so the one I go to now, the dumbbells max out at 150 pounds. Wow. And yeah. there are only a handful of guys in that place, of whom I am not one. Right. Who can lift those things. Yes. You know, I mean, I can bicep curl 70 pounds yeah. with relative ease. I can lift a lot of heavy weight, but I'm not a really cut guy. Right. The guys who work out there, they're, yeah, they sound like wildebeests. I hate that. There, there was one time I was there late at night and literally... This dude made a noise so loud that the two other people, myself and the other person in the place, ran over because we thought he had dropped a weight on himself. No. He sounded like a wounded animal caught in a trap. And what did he do? Tried to puff out his chest and look like he didn't sound like the world's biggest idiot. That's funny. Yes. I know when they cut through my noise-canceling headphones, it's got to be loud. Yeah. 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 No, and that's... then I'm just annoyed. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're on the road to recovery. So far, so good. Thanks to everybody for your uh, emails of support and stuff too. I really appreciate it. So let's get started with our listener stories. This first one comes from Chris. I am finally finishing up my degree in sociology, and a lot of it entails me writing research papers, generally late at night when I get home from work. On this particular night a few months ago, I was writing in my dining room while talking with my parents about school. Situated on a cabinet to the left of the dining room table is an old clock that my dad received after my Oma passed away in 2009. This clock is a beautiful chime-style clock that comes from the 1950s, and Oma had owned it for a very long time. The thing about this clock is that it is a wind-up that chimes every half an hour, and because of this, we have not run it as a clock for almost three years. At this point, it's more for show. On this particular night, as I previously stated, we were all talking in the dining room, and out of nowhere, it chimes once, and only once. 
Again, this clock has no batteries and has not run for three years. It wasn't frightening. However, it took the three of us off guard as we clearly could not explain this event. We figured it was someone checking in and happy to see us all together and enjoying each other's company. Maybe it was even a myoma telling me to get back to work. Who knows? <laughs> I have a weird clock. Oh, yeah? Yeah. My grandparents in England uh, used to rent out properties. Right. And when they went to clean out one of their properties, this person had left this clock. And it made its way to me. And we brought it over from England to Canada. It is one big, solid piece of black marble. Like, it's a beast oh, of a wow. clock. But when I took it in to get it cleaned and serviced because it wasn't running very well, the clockmaker was a bit baffled. He goes, the outside of the clock is American, but all the clockworks inside are French. Interesting. Yeah. And I did some research and the outside of it, the face and the body came from the Ansonia Clockwork Company in New York State that burnt down. So how this poor clock went from America to England... Had its guts ripped out, French guts put in, and then made its way back over the course of a couple hundred years. I have no idea. Bizarre. But it still runs. Not haunted, just weird. I don't think it's haunted. It Let's doesn't go haunted. with no. Let's go with no. Let's okay. go with no. Although, now I'm getting a really good idea for a story. The haunted clock? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> you write it, I'll read it. <laughs> this next story is from Reed. My brother and I had an experience with shadow people when we were children, about six and eight. Currently, I'm 27 and my brother's 25. We grew up in a town called Houston in northernish British Columbia, about four hours northwest of Prince George. We'd just moved into a new home in town and had lived there less than a year's time. Me and my brother shared a room in the basement. It was a small rectangular space with two beds at one end of the room and the door really only a frame as there was no actual door at the other. The way the beds were set up, only one of them had a line of sight out the door and that's where my brother slept. I never liked being alone in that room, and so tried to make sure I was only ever there with my brother or friends. There was a weird presence in the home, but as a kid I didn't really understand ghosts or entities. One night my brother and I were laying on our beds, talking, joking around when he became quiet. Eventually he said he'd seen a man outside our room. I asked him what he meant, and he repeated himself, that at night a large man stands outside our room. This was scary. Because we didn't live with our father and our mother was very short and definitely not someone who could be mistaken for a man if seen at night. Instinctively, I told him to go into his covers and then did the same. This would happen every night for about a month. My brother and I switching beds so we could take turns keeping an eye out for this shadow man, calling out, go into the covers, when he appeared. Yes, I eventually saw him too. He would stand there, outside our room, seemingly doing nothing. Eventually, this thing stopped showing up, and nothing else ever happened in that house. We moved on with our lives, and the Shadow Man became a memory. Huh. Wow. That kind of reminds me of something that used to happen to me when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was really little, um, I, you know, so I went to bed early, and for some reason I didn't like sleeping in my room. I had a problem sleeping in my room. And uh, so I would sleep in my folks' bed until it was time for them to go to bed. Right. And I would, you know, go to my room. And I remember laying there. Uh, again, very small child. I can't remember how far back this was, but their room, the door into that room is a sliding door because there's no room in the hallway for a door that actually swings. Right. And so it would be open and I would see groups of people walking through the hallway. Wow. And down the stairs. And I remember distinctly the one that I remember the most, and I mean, it was probably a dream, but in the dream I was laying in the same position and there was a lion man. Huh. 
as part of the procession and he stopped and looked at me and I don't remember much. I just remember a lion man. I don't remember if it was a man in a lion costume, right? but I remember it was kind of scary. And, uh, he just sort of looked at me and he kind of almost like he was trying to spook me a little bit, kind of like, yeah. And then he joined everyone else. Wow. And would this happen all the time? I think the procession thing would happen. Really? Yeah, I think. Um, but the lion thing, I only remember happening once again, I was really small. I remember it's funny you say that because it just jogged a memory for me being in England and, um, I was a kid who never went to bed. Right. I was up all the time. I still run on like five, six hours sleep and I'm fine. And, um, you and I are very much alike that way. Yeah, I don't oh, really, I don't like going to sleep. No, I, I, you know, no. my mom, my poor mom, there were so many stories of where she would have a nap right. and lock me in my room. Um, so she put me down in bed for seven and I never went to sleep before 10, even as a really, really young kid. And so she put a baby gate up at the top of the stairs, not to keep me safe, but to keep me up there. Right. Uh, and this was in England. Um, and I remember wandering around, uh, all the, they'd find me usually asleep at the top of the stairs. It right. was so bad. But I remember my dad had been up in the attic that day. And I remember he left it open. He'd left the cover off of it. And I remember being a little kid and looking up into the attic and very distinctly a man wearing a hat looked back down at me. Really? Yeah. And it scared me. No kidding. bad. And I remember running, climbing into my bed and that is actually when I started sleeping with the covers over my head. Really? I did till I was 12. (laughs) Wow. And um, that night I remember having a dream of the ceiling of my bedroom being like, um, not a spiral, but a square spiral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And something was chasing me down the spiral. And I couldn't get away from it fast enough. I was trying to get back into the room and I was trapped in the spiral. Interesting. Going around and around as this man with the hat chased me. Down. Really? Yeah. It was really weird. Well, my old apartment, uh, I've, I know I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, but my old apartment above the store my family ran. Yeah. There was one room. It was a huge apartment. I got a hell of a deal. Like, you know, this is Revelstoke in 2000. <laughs> so I had two full bathrooms. Wow. You know, for 550, 600 bucks a month. amazing. Uh, I mean, I had to pay for my own he- uh, heat, which got expensive. That would get expensive. But uh, anyways, so I had the whole place kitted out because I was 20, 21. I was working a lot, so a lot of money. Yeah. First, first, first apartment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so I would have been, I moved out when I was 19. So yeah, it would have been 1920. Yeah. But anyways. I had a room with a beer fridge and a whole bunch of booze on top of it, <laughs> foosball table, computer room, all this crap. But there was one room in the apartment that I could never get to be anything. How do you mean? It, I tried to make it sort of a reading room or right. something like that. Nothing stuck there. It wasn't a nice room to be yeah, in. Yeah, I get what you mean. And you just, it was almost like it wasn't there. You just walked past it. Right. And uh, it ended up being the place where people would pass out. <laughs> but it was also, I realized... The, in the closet to that room was the, was how you got to the attic. Uh, and interestingly enough, I ran into some people who used to live there Yeah, and had ne- not told them any of my opinions because right. there were some strange stuff that happened in that apartment. And they said to me, Hey, have you ever had anything strange happen in there? Oh, that's and, a good opener. <laughs> and they would see their kids playing with a little, another little kid in that room. Oh, wow. And then, uh, after I moved out and eventually the people I was renting from, you know, we sold our store and then the owner sold the building. Right. But when I started working on my book, a strange little place available everywhere, fine books are sold. Oh, God. I went back and talked to the woman who runs the place now. Right. And she knocked out, she completely changed the upstairs. She knocked out all the walls. Wow. She, it looks so good. Yeah. And it, it looked okay before, but it looks much better now. But there's one room that she cannot get to be 
anything. Really? And it's the same area. Shit. It's e- she even managed to remake that room almost to the same dimensions without even really realizing it. And she said she put a brand new marble countertop in there, and the next day she came back, it was cracked in half. What? Yeah. Wow. Just, yeah, just one room. So what did she do with it? It's it's sort of a nothing room. Like a storage room. Yeah. Throw something in there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe that's changed now. Wow. Eh? Um, but, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. And I mean, we've drifted from the story, but one last thing. One thing she was telling me is that she went to a conference in Banff, I think, because she was a massage therapist. Right. And she felt really scared and really depressed. And she kept seeing these flashes out of the corner of her eye. So she spoke to someone there who was, you know, kind of sensitive. Yeah. And they said, you've brought something with you from home. What? And they said, it's a little boy. And wow. he's scared because he doesn't know where he is. <gasps> oh my God. And supposedly this person was able to transition him over. Oh wow. But yeah. Uh, but it's interesting. Those people, those, those women, their daughters played with a kid in that room. And this, the woman, the woman obviously who spoke to this, uh, woman had no sense that this That's was happening. Amazing. So yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Good story. So thank you for the stories, Reed and Chris. Yeah. This story comes from Cassie. In 1992, when I was seven years old, we moved from the east side of Vancouver to Cumberland in Vancouver Island's Comox Valley. Cumberland at this time was a very isolated little village that was prone to frequent power outages. We moved to what felt like a huge house on an acre of land, which to a city kid is massive. It felt like you were in someone else's house the moment we moved into our respective rooms. My brother and mine rooms were on the top floor of the house. His room faced the front and mine faced the back with a toy room that connected them. I think that floor may have been a converted attic, so it could get very cold and I became used to sleeping with my head and body completely covered by a blanket. A year or so in, my brother started seeing faces and figures floating above his bed at night. In comparison, I only felt watched and had an incredibly cold room, although I do remember hearing my jars of beads being knocked over and my drawers being pulled out on one very scary night. During this time, I used to pray that I wouldn't see or hear anything. The main complaint came from my mother. As my parents were doing their home renovations and gardening, they would put tools down handle another task, and then reach for the same tool, only to find it completely gone. On one occasion, my mom turned the house upside down, trying to find a particular trowel, only to return to the previous place it had been sitting, and there it was, in the middle of the floor. At first we were blamed, but soon it became impossible for us to be doing that at the rate she was experiencing. During this time, my dad was still skeptical about it all. Good old dad. Dad's always <laughs> it's not always sure. the dad's. <laughs> My mom contacted a psychic who was also quite skeptical and I think hadn't actually experienced a haunting before meeting us. What kind of a crappy psychic is that? <laughs> I think I may have a spirit in my house. Do you though? Come Do on. You? Come on. <laughs> I'm getting a doubt. A yeah. doubt. <laughs> That's awesome. She had basically told us that if there was a ghost in her house, she wouldn't charge us anything. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, oh, yeah. If there's nice. a ghost, I'm not going to charge yeah, you a yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And when she found a coal-stained spear in the bathroom, she thought instead she was on some kind of drug. Cassie, this psychic sucks. She's terrible. We, the kids, were moved up to the second floor away from the psychic, which seems wise, uh, but we were later told about it. I guess because Cumberland. How do you mean? Well, Cumberland's a mining town, right? Like, that's all they did. It was like the little Comox Valley Nanaimo, right? It was Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a huge Chinatown there. Really? In Cumberland? Oh, massive. Um, I actually went out there. It's a historical site now. And it is a place thick with spirits. Interesting. Yeah, it's abandoned now. There's a few, you know, kind of things there. But it is thick with a whole other... I know last year, a friend of mine, uh, a couple years ago now, my friend was thinking about moving to Cumberland. So she came here to the island and I drove her up. And uh, it was weird. And I guess this explains it because I always want to go back to places 
but I don't realize have something going on. Yes. And I was like, Cumberland, I like Cumberland. I want to uh, come back. Here. I have actually been a number of times recently, um, partly because they have a bakery there that makes the best donuts on the island. Actually, the best donuts I've ever had. Wow. Okay. They use real jelly. They use butter in the donuts, not uh, like margarine or lard. Oh, right. Sorry. Shut up. Um, well, they might be worth it just to eat it, even if you have a horrible <laughs> doubled over reaction. Um, they're amazing. Wow. All right. Yeah. So if Cumberland has nothing else going for it, if you're like, I'm into ghosts, but I'm really more into donuts, Cumberland's the place, place to go. for you. All yeah. right. All right. Back to Cassie's story. Sorry, Cassie. She claimed the spirit had been a coal miner in Cumberland. There you go. Ah. And had always wanted a tight knit family like ours. He had shouted either, I'm dead or I'm Ted. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Again, terrible psychic. We never knew which, but took to calling him Ted, anyways. He had also taken a lot of pride in the house while he was alive, and when he saw my parents working on it, called it a mess, and that he wanted to clean up. Ah, uh, yeah. Which was why things were being moved and taken away. They don't like renos. Yeah, this yeah. is, yeah. The psychic had gotten him to cross over, but my mother made the mistake of stating a few times that she missed the spirit, and things started to happen again. Whoa, no, no, don't call them back. No, no, I, I wonder if the psychic even crossed him over. Probably I mean, if not. she'd never... She really got him to shut up and, look, you just shut up. I'll slip you 20 bucks. Just <laughs> make me look like I know what I'm talking about. That's awesome. We moved to Vancouver shortly after that, where it became clear Ted was back and had bought something with him. That, or we moved into another haunted house. After a few months of getting settled in, my mom walked into her new bedroom to find my sister's raggedy Ann doll hanging from the ceiling, secured with a clothes hanger. Urgh. Yikes. This was particularly disturbing as it was a two-ish foot doll limply hanging in her bedroom window. <laughs> Yikes. We were immediately called in to see who would own up to it, but none of us were tall enough to do that, and no one would think of doing it anyways. That is pretty messed up. A spirit had also taken a speaking with my brother. The psychic on Vancouver Island had told us to let whatever it was know it wasn't welcome. So when she heard it speaking, my mom thumped down the stairs to us in the basement and shouted the sentiment to the bedroom walls. After she left, my brother claimed he heard a voice say, I'm still here. Oh, no. He changed bedrooms shortly after that. <laughs> As you do. He moved to one of the bedrooms right by the washing machine. The new room faced a storage room that always gave me the creeps. It was tiled with mirrors, which almost felt threatening. And as my interest in the paranormal sparked later on, I would learn that mirrors can act as portals. Mm -hmm. My room was the basement rec room. For some reason, our parents honored this first-come, first-served bedroom choice system, so I chose the biggest. <laughs> My room was massive, with three white walls and a bright orange accent wall. I remember that looking at the orange wall would cause coughing fits that were hard to stop. Thinking about it now still makes me feel like I need to clear my throat. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Because I know we've talked before about the idea of, like, the paranormal and, you know, sometimes, like, I'll cough. Yeah. You know, if I'm in a place that, where something's going on and I'm having a hard time with it. Yeah. And I kind of wonder what, what, like, what's, what's up with that? Yeah, well, I mean, you hear oftentimes psychics have a lot of cardiovascular problems. Oh, right, you were saying, yeah. Arrhythmia, heart palpitations, um, because it interrupts electrical flow around the heart. Right. So, yeah, I can, I can see that. Interesting. Yeah. I never considered that. She goes on to say, The only incident I ever saw with my own eyes was when I was 12. I really enjoyed reading before bed as it was quiet, and one time I remember hearing some kind of consistent tapping that broke my concentration. We had a cat, but she wasn't allowed in my room since I was very allergic to her. As I sat up to see where it was coming from, I saw my wall-mounted phone cord spinning around and tapping on the wall with every rotation. I'm not sure what I did after that, or how I could have gone to sleep. <laughs> you do, though. No, that's it. You, you do. do. <laughs> yeah, you just check out. The next thing that happened, I was thankfully excluded from seeing, but it definitely concerned me. My family started seeing me in places I was not. They would see me run into my bedroom or even petting the cat. 
One day I heard my parents yell at me from the top of the stairs and when I came up to see why, they had said I had run through the kitchen and all the papers that had been tacked on their corkboard had gone flying off. When they saw my confusion and heard me tell them I was studying, they let it go. Wow. A friend at my high school said she saw me in the girl's bathroom and when she said hi, I apparently just looked at her blankly. I did research into doppelgangers, which really frightened me. I had learned what had happened to others and felt like something was closing in on me. I had also learned about a thing called bilocation and wasn't sure if I was somehow partly responsible. My mom called in two psychics this time. <laughs> Double barreled. She asked them if we were two somehow psychic and they shrugged and nodded. These are bad psychics. I don't know. Where are moms finding these people? <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. The back of the penny saver or something? Yeah. <laughs> One claimed a man named Gord was helping Ted cross over, and the rest we assume went to. The only Gord we knew was someone who had recently passed at Cumberland United Church, but we don't know if that was him or if it was just coincidence. Afterwards, the house felt emptier and lighter, and after the psychics left, we were more careful about what we said. <laughs> Good call. The, um, it's so fascinating about the doppelganger thing. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's, that would be terrifying. And, and I know by location, that's, I've heard about that in reference to remote viewing. Right. Where you can technically be in two places at once. Wow. You know, you, you are here, but you feel the, the feelings right. of the other place. And you can right. actually, more than just seeing it with your consciousness, you feel some of the physical sensations. That's pretty wild. It is. Yeah. yeah. It does. It does seem like there is some kind of major sensitivity happening in the family. Yeah, definitely. But I guess if after the penny saver psychics <laughs> managed to get rid of things, maybe that was the end of it. This next story is from Jenna. In August of 2009, I was nine years old, almost 10. I spent the majority of the summer at my grandparents' house. My uncle Matt, an aunt, and her kids lived with my grandparents. I spent a lot of time there babysitting my aunt's kids and hanging out with the family members. Over that summer, me and my uncle Matt had really grown close to each other. We went frog catching, cleaned the house while blurring music, cooking mac and cheese, stealing candy from grandpa, eating David Brand sunflower seeds, and watching lots of movies. Anyway, one day my friend asked me to go hang out with her and spend the weekend at her home. I'd planned on going to my grandparents' house, but decided to go spend some time with my friend before the school year started. It was a Thursday night and the start of the long weekend. We had planned, but I felt like I should not be there, and then I needed to go home. I didn't have any particular reason why I felt the need to go home, but once I got there, it was revealed that Uncle Matt had committed suicide that afternoon. I was devastated. That night after he died, I went to sleep, and I had a very vivid dream with him in it. He had greeted me in my grandparents' foyer, hugged me so tight I couldn't breathe, called me by my nickname, and we went to gather supplies to catch frogs out of the ditch banks. It's like we never skipped a beat. We were eating sunflower seeds, skipping down the road to find frogs, and talking about the tactics we would use to grab them. I cherished this dream, and I feel like he came to me in my dream to comfort me in a heartbreaking moment. I had a lot of dreams about him for the first two years after his death, and occasionally still see him in my dreams, but less frequently than as a young girl when I wasn't coping very well. I'm 19 now and cope a lot better. Next, I was hanging out with a friend, and she's a medium. I never told her about my uncle who passed away. She didn't know a single drop of information about him. But we were just hanging out, and I said, Do you know who my guardian angel is? She sat there for a moment, and then she said, the name Matt is really coming through to me, and there's a pink glow. It's very bright. I cried. I explained to her that Matt was my uncle that had died, and his favorite color was pink. It was a neat experience, and it gave me comfort knowing he was always with me. This next one is dark. Some pure evil shit. I was at a birthday party, and my medium friend was there. It was me and a few girls hanging out in my other friend's room. 
We were all just chatting, and then somebody had the bright-ass idea to turn off the lights and video record the room. Then all of a sudden, everybody got dead silent. My medium friend screamed, get out, and we all ran out of the room. Then we watched the video, and my medium friend's eyes had a red glow for about two seconds, and when they panned the camera around the room, there was a dark, slender figure in each corner, and then that's when my friend screamed and we ran. It was creepy as hell, and I don't know what happened for that evil presence to be there. Everybody was uncomfortable for the rest of the night, and we went home early. I would love to see that footage. Rrr, I, You know, that's the kind of thing you never keep. Of course. <laughs> Another experience I've had was when I shared a room in the basement with my older sister. I was sleeping, and then suddenly woke up. Lights were turned on just inside our room, and the door was also open. Then I heard footsteps approach my room, and a dark figure stood in the doorway. Like, it peered in and stood there for a minute, and then walked away. For a moment, I thought this was my father, but when I asked him the next morning, he said he did not go downstairs and that he was sleeping. This was the only time I'd ever really experienced a dark figure walking into my room, but I wasn't really that scared. After that, though, we always shut our door before going to bed. Sometimes when I had my own room, I'd see figures stand in corners of my room, but I was never extremely scared. I'd just cover my face and whisper, go away a few times, and then go to sleep. Ugh, I always sleep with my door closed. Oh, yeah. Closet doors, bedroom doors, all shut down. Locked tight. Yeah. <laughs> the door, the closet in my room, in our room, is broken. Right. Because one night, I was having a nap, and uh, the smoke alarm went off because <gasps> we were cooking something. Right. Nick was cooking something. Well, I woke up thinking it was the middle of the night, and there's a siren. Oh, no. And so I just, like, ran, like, charged in the direction of the problem, which is what I do because I'm stupid. <laughs> and instead, it was the dark, and I ran full bore into that closet no. door. No. And the closet door, in a fight against me, loses. And uh -oh. loses badly. Uh-oh. <laughs> so. Does the landlord know? Uh, no. Okay. No, I mean, it's really just the, the runner that's broken, right. the track. Right. But, uh, yeah, so now the closet, uh, my punishment for this is it stands open tonight. Oh. And I just have to hope that. Nothing, Nothing decides through. to look at me. <laughs> she goes on. Another creepy thing that happened in that same room me and my sister shared is this. My first niece, Ellie, was very young, maybe two years old or younger. She was with my sister in the room and kept looking at the closet. My sister asked what she was looking at, and my niece replied, there's a man standing there. Obviously, it was just the two of them, and my sister said, no, Ellie, there's no man in my closet. Ellie kept explaining that there was a man standing in my sister's closet. She said he was wearing a blue shirt, but he wasn't mean. It freaked my sister out, but she still stayed in that room that night and slept fine as well. I also have a piece of advice or input to the episode where a girl was talking about seeing the number one in sequence. She connects it to her mother, but there's another point of view to it. Seeing the number one in sequence is considered lucky and a good omen. It's a sign from the universe. The universe is trying to talk to you and give you a sign. Since she listened, she was able to get treatment and beat cancer's ass. If you really connect your soul to the universe, it will guide and direct you in ways you'd never imagined. I don't believe in God, rather I believe in a universal soul. I used to be LDS, Mormon, but then realized it was a cult and left. I've really experienced life in a more spiritual way since leaving. So I feel that this woman can benefit from this view of life. Look for the universal omens and listen to them. And that refers to a previous listener story. I believe it was someone you know. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Who, um. I don't know what name she used on the show, so I don't Yeah, no, we yeah, won't say, yeah. but, uh, she kept seeing, seeing the number one yeah. everywhere. Yeah. This, unusual groupings of one. Yeah. And she finally convinced her, I think, to go see the doctor. Yeah. And it turned out she had, they got the early stages of cancer. Yeah. And they were able to stop it. Completely. So it's, uh, that's a fascinating Pretty point cool. of view. Yeah. 
Margaret. I've never viewed myself as particularly sensitive to paranormal activity, but some weird stuff has definitely happened around me. My house was built by my grandfather, who is now passed. He died of a heart attack while driving. Now, in most stories, people who die usually reside at the place they died, but I'm convinced my grandfather is in, is in this house. There are only two people in my family who believe me due to their own experiences. The first person is my Aunt Jean. She's very sensitive to ghostly activity. The second is my Uncle Mike, who also believes in ghosts. The first encounter with my grandfather at our house was at a cookout. Everyone was in the in-law apartment and a family friend went to get something over the other side of the house. She came back asking about a tall, bald man wearing a jacket and glasses. My uncle said she described my grandfather to a T. The second time somebody saw my grandfather in my house was at a Christmas party. Now, my grandfather had seven children with my grandmother and they spread out when they grew up, so much so that one of my uncles moved to Florida, so they don't all get together very often. So at this Christmas party, everyone was at the table and the table faces a doorway that leads to a hallway. Five of the seven siblings are facing opposite of this doorway and the others are facing it. They were all laughing and joking around and the people who were facing the doorway saw my grandfather in his favorite glasses smiling at them. My uncle said they saw him that night because all his children were happy and together. Now the last time he was seen, nobody but me and the person who saw him believes. When my brother was about six, the upstairs to our house was built and two rooms were put in for him and my sister. My brother hated his room. My sister said that every night at around 3 a.m. he would come downstairs screaming and crying about a man in his closet. He also said that his closet would open on its own. My sister said he did this for a month straight. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Now, this all happened before I was born, and normally I would chalk it up to sleep paralysis or something, but in my brother's freshman year of high school, he moved into the basement, and I got his old room. Nothing like what happened to my brother happened to me, but I still feel like someone is here with me. I don't feel threatened by it, though. In fact, I find this room very comforting. On the list of other weird things that have happened in this house, there's an incident involving my grandmother, who died here about a year ago. I was named for her, and we shared a very close bond. The day before her wake, I was in the bathroom shaving my legs. My sister and I were talking to each other when suddenly we heard someone call my name. It was my grandmother. I have no explanation for this. We were the only ones home and we didn't have any TVs on. And she had a very specific way of calling our names. My siblings told me the same thing happened to them. After her services, I was home playing music rather loudly and I heard a door downstairs close. That door usually has keys permanently in it, so you can tell when it closes. I thought my dad must be home, so I turned down my music and after a while, I decided to go and say hi, but when I got downstairs, there was nobody there. I mean, that makes sense. People, especially grandparents, there's a lot of close connections with grandparents, and it makes perfect sense. I love that one about the grandfather just stopping by at the Christmas party. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And I, I think it's great, too, that she notes, because I think it's important to remember, just because someone died somewhere doesn't mean that's where they stay. No. No, no, you know, no, So no, the no. idea that the grandfather died somewhere else but haunts this house, I think... If we're going to accept that this stuff is happening, I think that's very possible. Absolutely. He's just hanging out. Yep. Wants to be with his kids. Keep an eye on everybody. Yeah. That's cool. Our next story comes from Edie. I wanted to tell you guys about a couple of incidents I've had in my house, new built in 2017, a couple of months ago. I am a believer, but I always try first to figure out if there could be an explanation for activity. Me too. 
I had an incident in November where I couldn't find some expensive jewelry of my deceased grandmother's, in particular a diamond emerald heart pendant that was in a small box. It wasn't in the strong box under my bed where I've kept it for years, and I thought maybe I moved it because if someone broke in, they are, they'd definitely take a small strong box. Yeah, I'm also a true crime fanatic. <laughs> I licked in two cabinets. I have in my bedroom, too, as well as in my jewelry box on my dresser. After looking for two days and still not finding it, I remembered one of your episodes where a friend of Brennan's had a spirit in her house, and she wanted to know his name, and was told to ask if she was falling asleep, and the name came to her. I don't remember this. That was me. Oh, okay. That's uh, Tanny. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Tanny, right. yeah. So as I was lying in bed about to sleep, I asked over and over in my head to please show me where my jewelry is. Around 2 a.m. that night, I heard a sound, like a bong, bong. It woke me and my cats up. The sound was familiar, but I couldn't place it. I checked my phone, nothing. Laid back down again and started to fall asleep. It happened again. Now I'm totally up. I realized it was my Bluetooth speaker powering up, but there's no reason it should have turned on. I got out of bed, obviously to unplug the speaker, because I didn't want to start hearing voices come from it. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. And can't explain it, but I just stood there for a few seconds without knowing why. Walked over to one of the cabinets in my bedroom, which I had already checked twice. Opened it, took out a certain box, and there was my jewelry. There's no reason I would ever put that cherished jewelry in this box with a bunch of cheap old earrings and other junk from the 80s. About a week later, I'm watching TV in my living room one evening. I have this round globe lamp in my vestibule that I leave on all night because, you know, burglars and rapists. And I don't like my house being completely dark at night as I live alone. Well, I hear click and the light turns off. I think, wow, that light bulb didn't last long because I just changed it a week earlier. Then about a minute later, click and the light comes back on. I was like, okay. Nope. No, sir. I don't like it. I didn't get any bad feelings and I didn't want to investigate it while I was there alone. So I just kept watching TV and then later went to bed. So I'm lay laying in bed watching Bob's Burgers, I love that show, on my iPad and falling asleep and I can hear a single knock from across the house. I think, well, could be the pipes. Then about sure. three minutes later, another single knock sound from the living room right outside my bedroom. My cats are totally up now. The final knock was from my closet in my bedroom. Again, didn't get any bad vibes, so figured the house was just settling or my aunt was trying to say hello. She'd recently passed in the fall. A friend of mine said the stuff would continue until I acknowledged it, but I just didn't know if I wanted to do that. No, that's fair. I get that. That's like opening a door. So nothing much happened after that for about a week. But then that dang lamp in my vestibule started flickering and going off. Like I'd get home from work, turn the light on, and it would immediately go off. I'd shake it thinking the lamp had a loose wire, but nope. One night, I turned it on and turned to walk away, and it went off. Out loud, I said, I really would like that light to stay on, and bam, it came on and Holy stayed on. Holy man. Another night, it went off as I watched TV. I yelled out, seriously, come on, and the light came back on. Could it be a coincidence? Possibly. This happened frequently for about two weeks. That all happened in November. I turned the lamp on every night or even leave it on for a day when I go to work. It's been perfectly fine and hasn't gone off once. If it was a faulty lamp or bulb, wouldn't it still be going off from time to time? You bet your ass it yeah, would. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Faulty lamp, nothing. I like to think it was a family member like my aunt or a close friend that just wanted to let me know that they're around. And I still haven't plugged my speaker back in. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't either. That is creepy as hell. Tanny was telling me a story about her new house. There is a table with a lamp on it up right. in the upper hallway. 
right? So the second floor. And you can see it from the family room. At least, you know, the light's on. She's off in there on her own. And uh, one night she's watching TV and she saw the light go out. And then she saw it come back on. And then she saw it go out again. And then it came back on again. And she said, is there someone here doing that? And the light went off. No. Yeah. And she waited and she sat there and she thought, I don't really know what to do. And then she said, if it's you, could you please turn it back on? Boom. Came back on. No. Yeah. Holy shit. And then it kind of left her alone. Wow. So maybe it was the same kind of thing. It just wanted to be acknowledged. Maybe. Yeah. Weird, eh? That's bizarre. Yeah. Something happened the other night like that. I, I've been, because um, Nikki's back has been bad. Yeah. Uh, I've been sleeping in the spare room so she can have the whole bed to herself. Right. And there was this weird noise that woke me up about three in the morning. And I. 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> I can't place it. I can't even exactly remember what happened. But it was the damnedest thing. Because ordinarily if I hear a noise in the house, you know, I'm the one, I'm the large one. So right. I, ha- I it's my right. job to go explore. Right. Um, I couldn't get out of bed. Huh. I just couldn't bring myself to go. I just forced myself back to sleep. Wow. It, but it, it's it just, again, I can't. Did it freak you out or you just couldn't get no, up? No, it freaked or... me out. But okay. It, but also, I don't know. There was just this weird part of me that said, nope, just stay in bed. Interesting. Just stay in bed. But it sounded like someone moving through the apartment. But at this point, Nick's back was so bad, it, it couldn't have been her. Yeah. So I'm not sure. What, weird. Yeah. I, and, and the cat was in with me. Right. So I don't know. It was weird. Eh, maybe better not to know. And uh, oddly enough, uh, about the same time, I was contacted by a friend of mine, and he was saying that there's been some stuff going on in their house. Right. I guess his girlfriend, uh, she was cleaning the bathroom, and she was sort of, I guess, on her on her knees cleaning the t- toilet, and right. she could feel a presence behind her. It couldn't have been someone in the house, because she would have heard the door open. Right, right. But there was just suddenly someone behind her. Yeah. Then a few days later, her boyfriend, my friend, right. was sitting on the couch, and he said there were these weird knocking sounds. Yes. And he thought it was just a cold because yeah. it's an old house settling in yeah, the cold. Yeah, yeah, But then as he sat on the couch, he noticed that there was a reflection of something in one of the framed pictures on the wall opposite him. Oh, no. And it moved. Oh, oh, oh no. And they they have a dog. They have a cat. Yeah. The, neither of them were anywhere near it. Weird. So no explanation whatsoever. See, that's when it's good to live in a condo. Yes. Because you can just sort of be like... Oh, well, if someone's moving around. Upstairs, yeah. Upstairs or downstairs or beside me. I'm just not going to worry about it. This next story is from our researcher, Anthony, and was meant for the Haunted Items episode. And I very cleverly forgot to include it in the script. (laughs) But uh, we thought we'd share it here. Anthony says, First, a bit of background to what my wife calls my shinning. I can't recall any particular circumstances that started my spidey senses tingling, but my mother was an avid yard sale enthusiast and obviously had to drag her horde of kids along. My siblings were bored, but never me. The crap these people were selling was fascinating, even though it was all garbage. It was the antiques that really got to me. All I saw was dead people's shit, their reflections still combing their hair in the mirror upon the vanities, their butts still caressing the seat cushions, their fingers silently gliding across the old broken keys of the family pedal organ. While mom saw pieces to collect, I felt the person that still loved them from an unimaginable distance. I noticed that no one else noticed. I was the only one that was feeling these residual emotions connected to furniture. The only one who knew they were there and that it was a very lonely feeling. Now, I couldn't say, Mom, don't buy that thing. The old person that owned it doesn't want it to leave the family or anything like that. Due to silly religious beliefs, my mom would have probably never let me watch TV or talk to my worldly friends again. Or worse, I'd be deemed demonized or some shit. So I lived with it. It didn't scare me. It caught my interest and eventually caused me to delve into it a bit. A couple of summers ago, my wife, my son, my dog Opie and I went camping at a site called Englishman River Falls around the middle of Vancouver Island. 
The town is called Coombs, and it is eclectic, to say the least. It's famous for wacky stores in a hippie shopping mall called Goats on the Roof because there are goats, in fact, on the roof. There really are. It's award-winning stuff. Every store there must be in competition with each other to see who can have the most crazy shit for sale, and tourists eat it up. A bit further down the highway from the main center are the collectible stores. Collectible being code word for estate or abandoned. <laughs> VHS copies of the Land Before Time 7 right alongside lacquered wolf paintings, mounted on thick, smooth pieces of wood. The shop we decided to go into made very little sense. It looked like four or five dilapidated shacks pushed up together and fastened with mismatched wallpaper. My wife and I went in, leaving my son outside with the dog, and as we entered the second room, shack really, the door to the next room was on the opposite side, meaning you had to walk through the room at a diagonal angle. Now up to this point, everything was relatively quiet to me. The energy is strangely subdued, even the Nazi shit. This new room, this midway point, was all sports stuff. Bobbleheads, miniature hockey sticks, signed baseballs, footballs, golf clubs, and so on. Ahead of me, my wife just moseyed right on through. But I got ten feet in and was stopped dead in my tracks. Danger, anger, hate, dare I say evil, rushed at me. The energy was like a rabid dog or a furious person screaming directly in your face, but with no sound. My eyes glanced around the room to find out where this is coming from, and I see a hockey jersey in a frame. At this point, I realized what or whoever was rushing me was all bark and couldn't hurt me, although it was very efficient and making me uncomfortable, like a drunk wanting to fight but never swinging. So I focused on the jersey and noticed it was signed by a whole NHL team, though I can't remember which. The price was very high and then reduced multiple times until finally there was just a note that said, final sale as is, no returns, no exceptions. There you are, I said out loud. Keeping my eye on it, I walked past it to get to where my wife is. The oppressive energy lifted as soon as I crossed the threshold to the last shack filled with gaudy dish sets and CDs. I told my wife, I've got to get out of here, only to realize there was no exit on this side. I'd have to go back through the sports room. When we entered that room again, my wife had no reaction, but I felt it immediately. Once we were back outside, my son Aiden handed me the leash and headed in. I panicked a bit and tried to persuade him not to. He got teenage snotty and I relented, handing Opie's leash to my wife and followed my son back in the store. I showed him the weird stuff and cool old knives and so on, and then he headed to the goddamn sports room. I stayed outside of it this time, but I watched him walk through. As soon as he was beside the jersey, he noticeably shuddered and kind of recoiled as he passed it. Oh no, I thought. He feels it too. That night, after grilling him about his reaction to the jersey, he basically told me it felt wrong and uncomfortable. And I told him and my wife about the spidey senses and answered all of their questions regarding it and spirit interaction with ghosts and paranormal experiences. They connected a lot of dots and finally knew why I will never buy used furniture. All that because of a pissed off jersey. Although I must admit I don't believe the jersey or team are cursed, but there is something about that frame and glass that has retained an attachment. I feel it's the spirit of an abusive alcoholic whose family was probably relieved to have him gone. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I'm dumb because I've bought a lot of you stuff in my life. I, I have too, but I don't know that I've bought anything that anybody would want to bother attaching themselves to. Yeah. And, and I, I don't go to pawn shops because I feel like stuff in pawn shops I don't especially I hate, have I a hate very pawn unique. Shops. Yeah. I've gone to a few to look at the stuff. Right. But they have such a darkness to them. Yeah. I've never felt good in them. I'll go to like Value Village and Salvation Army and Vincent DePaul, that kind of thing. Uh, love Goodwill down the right. States. Um, but then it's like clothes and kitchen items I'm looking at. Yeah. And who the hell's going to attach an old blender? True enough. Yeah, right? that, yeah that's very true. I mean, unless someone's an alcoholic with a passion for margaritas, I suppose there's <laughs> a very slim chance Not that impossible. could happen. But no, on the whole, anything I buy is never going to have something attached to it. But I don't buy antiques. 
I've got a couple oh, no, antiques, never. and they're from the family. So no, 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 no. And I remember reading in Psychic Self Defense that uh, you know, um, not Dion Warwick, Dion Fortune, <laughs> the other Dion, the better the other Dion. Dion. She was saying that when you give stuff away, there are methods for clearing it before you do. Oh, you know, to leave it out in the sun for a day, or to if you can wash it with salt water. Wow, because supposedly that will help clear it of right. residual energy. I mean, I think in her case, she was trying to sort of warn people against, uh, how can I put this? Like leaving yourself vulnerable to attack by leaving your imprint on items. Interesting. Uh, because I guess in the occult communities, this was a thing, you know, she says, when you get your haircut, burn the hair. Wow. Because you don't want someone taking bits of your hair and using it against you. Would not have thought of that. No, I mean, I can't imagine what world you live in that you have to burn your hair so witches don't get you. I'm just picturing the lady who does my hair, her reaction when I'd be like, can you gather that up in a bag for me, please? I'll take that to go. I'd like it to go with me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go burn it in front of Bren's bedroom window. (laughs) In a pentagram at midnight. Of course. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, if it gets rid of some of that fucking snow out there, you can go ahead and do it. It probably would. Holy man. So thank you, Anthony. Yeah, that was great. And I know that story. It's a great story, but it's got a lot of weird shit in it. Really? Oh, I know exactly. The, I can picture that whole story when you're reading it. I know exactly which building it is. Interesting. Yeah. I never, I don't, I so rarely go up island anymore. I don't oh, really like going up island. I end up going so much because we have family from out of town come. Right. And goats on the roof, Cathedral Grove. Yeah. It's a thing. I've added Cumberland to that now because of the donuts, but. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, when, when Nikki's family came last year. We took them to Vancouver for several days, right? And then we took them to uh, Tofino. But by the time it came time to take them to Tofino, I said to Nick, "I said, have I'm, fun. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, everything's paid for. You well, know, you are an introvert. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I it don't would be very draining on you. Like I, spending three or four days in the constant company of three or four people. Lovely, lovely people. Well, and some of them are virtual strangers, were they not? Yeah, we didn't know each other well. We yeah. got along, but yeah. we didn't know each other well. Yeah, yeah that'd be you difficult. Know. All right, and this is our last set of stories. Last set of stories from Johanna from England. Yes. I wanted to tell you about my experiences of looking after a friend's house in Cornwall. The house is very much in the middle of nowhere, really. It's the original farmhouse that was purchased a couple of years ago from the family who've had it for generations. They converted the barns next door and lived there and rent out the old slaughterhouse, which Mm. has, thankfully, been converted into a cottage. There is a bungalow also in the vicinity, but these are the only dwellings in the area. It's all accessed via about five miles of very narrow country lanes, passing a couple of other farms, and is surrounded by dairy fields and amazing views. It is pitch black at night, no light pollution, and great for stargazing. I first looked after the house, plus two dogs, three cats, two ponies, assorted chickens, and peacocks, back in May of 2018. I'm not sure exactly how old the building is, but the newer addition is well over 100 years old. And the very first thing I noticed when I went upstairs was an immediate feeling of high alert and uncomfortableness in the corridor area that led to the main bedroom. Every part of me wanted to run away from that area. From the corridor, you walk through the door with a glass panel in the top corridor into a sort of small entrance hallway. I was staying in this house on my own, bar the cats and dogs whom the owners don't allow upstairs, and quickly got into the habit of running down the corridor and in through the first door, shutting it firmly behind me. Once in this entrance area, I made sure the door once in this entrance area, I made sure the glass was fully covered with dressing gowns, etc. that were on the pegs on the inside of the door. I just felt like even with the door closed, I might see movement through the glass. I left the light on all the time in there. 
Once in bed, I found it very difficult to sleep, despite the comfy mattress, because I was constantly feeling on high alert. I also had a strong feeling that I was being watched, and even felt like one particular corner of the room, the one furthest from the door, had a column of space that was darker than it should have been. I could not face that corner and instead had to sleep with my back away from it, making a very conscious effort not to glance into that corner at any time as I had a genuine sense of alarm. The bed is massive, but I occupied the far edge closest to the door. Despite all these odd feelings, nothing untoward happened, and so when asked... I agreed to look after the house for another couple of weeks in October of 2018. You're a better friend than I am. No kidding. I arrived the night before my friends Lana and Will were due to go off on holiday, and so I slept in a different room, the one at the start of the corridor rather than at the end. I was very relieved about this. I was offered the chance to move bedrooms the next day, but I politely declined and mentioned that I found it a bit spooky. When pressed, I explained why and said about the corner of the room. That's when Lana said that that was her side of the bed, and she often woke up in the night feeling unusually cold. They both also said that they'd heard a funny tapping noise once or twice from that corner, and which they'd investigated but could not find a cause. Lana also said she felt like she'd been touched in the shoulder in that room. So I decided I was definitely not going to sleep in there. Seems like a good call to me. Hells to the yet. Due to the lovely, crisp, but sunny autumnal weather in Cornwall in mid-October, windows were often open, and on the day Lana and Will left, the windows in their room were ajar. I realized in the evening that I should close them, so I ran down the corridor and entered the room. There were hundreds of flies in there, blue bottles. I reached for the windows, yanked them closed, and got out of there as quickly as I could, securing the door firmly shut behind me. I planned to return in daylight to deal with the flies. The following day, I plucked up the courage to take the vacuum cleaner to hoover up the flies, as I thought they would have perished overnight. Indeed, as I walked into the room, I saw many dead on the windowsills and floors, with only a few still exhaustedly attempting to buzz around. I began to vacuum them up, and that's when I noticed a small pile of flies on Lana's side of the bed. All dead. Just on her side. Nowhere else on the bed. This freaked me out a little, as you would think that flies would fall dead arbitrarily, not just in one place. Again, I left the room quickly and ran down the corridor. For the next few days, I only went upstairs to go to bed. I didn't go upstairs during the day at all, and when I got to the top of the stairs, it felt so prickly that I was fearful to turn my head to the left to look down the corridor to the main bedroom door, as I was convinced there would be something there, and I just didn't want to see it. I would run into my room and stay there until running out of it in the morning. The windows of that room faced the side of the house, looking over the driveway and the barns, and the back of the house looking over the patio, pool, and hot tub, garden and fields as far as the eye can see. I'm not really a hot tub sort of person, but one evening after the menagerie had been fed and settled for the night, I thought I could watch the sun go down from the comfort of some warm bubbles, but I couldn't relax. I kept feeling that eyes were boring into the back of my head from the bedroom window behind me and got genuinely concerned that if I looked up at the bedroom, I would see someone standing there. I would have put money on it. I didn't stay in the garden long. I had this feeling during the day, too, when I was out and about in the garden. So plucking up all the courage I could muster, I ran in the room and quickly closed the blinds on both windows. However, even with the blinds closed, I still felt fearful to even glance up at those windows. That evening when I went upstairs to bed, it was hard to not notice that the bedroom door was open. I dashed down the corridor, pulled it shut, and ran back to my room, locking the door behind me. The next morning, that door was open again. 
I am alone in the house, and all of the animals are shut in the downstairs of the house. I ran and closed the door again, heart pounding. This happened a couple of times, and it was bloody scary. When there, I did reason with myself that my imagination, combined with being on my own in the middle of nowhere, might have heightened my ability to be scared. But I genuinely did have jumping out of my skin moments, when sitting downstairs in the evening and the previously sleeping collie dog suddenly going on high alert and getting up to growl quietly at the door that separated them and me from the stairs up to that corridor. When Lana and Will returned home, I told them how freaked out I'd felt this time about that corridor, and the sense I'd watched of being watched from that room. And this is when they told me, briefly and without seeming to want to elaborate, that the previous owner had actually had a medium round a number of years ago, and also had the house blessed as they were sure there was something up there. Unfortunately, they didn't really have any further details of what the medium might have discovered, but having the house blessed must surely have been done as they felt the need... Lan and Will have also been doing some necessary renovations on the house, and have discovered many, many bones. Some of the cats buried at each corner of the house. The local builders and neighbors advised them to rebury them exactly where they found them. Uh, and she goes on to say that she's going to be house-sitting for them again in April. I wouldn't be. No, hell no. I I'd be like, yeah, no, sorry, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm, I'm washing my hair that entire month. <laughs> Uh, because apparently it, it, they've had issues since then. Uh, they've had leaks, plug sockets shorting out, things not working, and more coldness on her side of the bed. Yeah, no. no. That pile of flies just on that side of the bed. Right? Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's not okay. I'm done. I mean, that reminded me of the conversation we had about small animals yeah. dying in yeah. haunted places. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and actually, I reached out to Rachel about this because she knows a lot about Cornwall and sort of the spirits in Cornwall. And she was saying that... Um, these houses were built of granite. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And, and some people believe that granite has a very particular quality when it comes to spirituality. Very resonating in terms of holding on to energy and stuff. Yeah. 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 And she said that, I mean, the whole area is sort of granite substrate. Yeah. But also the homes are built from granite. Well, yeah, you build with what's local. That's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's uh, sort of a connection there. Well, good luck, Joanna. No kidding. <laughs> Uh, there's also the, the, the slaughterhouse and yeah. Rachel made a great point. She said, imagine what it must be like in there with all that animal panic. Yeah. You know, that would leave some kind of impression. Maybe Absolutely. not a, sort of a human thing, no. but still very, very noticeable. Yeah. But anyway, so thank you so much for those, Johanna. Yeah. Johanna actually sent a, uh, really great email about her house in Brighton. Yes. And I think, uh, we got to get a hold of her, but I think if she is okay with it, we're going to share that in its entirety on a bonus episode. Because it's just a cool story about uh, more positive haunting. Yes. And we, we do love sharing those. Yeah, we do. All right. So that's going to do it for Listener Stories Volume 8. We'll be right back with patron shoutouts and listener mail. Welcome back. 
Thanks to our researchers, Luke Greensmith and Anthony Germain, for their work on this episode and the aborted Ghost with Two Backs episode. <laughs> Sorry, we, guys. No, that, we appreciate you trying. We, you we tried to make it work. It did not happen. No. And Anthony uh, is off to Italy. Very cool. Today. Yes, him and his wife, Krista, are off there. I think it might be his first trip abroad. I, I That's amazing. Yeah. So like I'm ex- with abroad? or? Well, I'm, I'm not going to ask that. Not if he's out with his wife. <laughs> That's a dad joke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Can't help it. God help us. It's genetic. I believe it. <laughs> so first up, we'd like to get to our patron shout outs. Yeah. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our newest ones. Mary Frances Honiger. Mark Byrne. Sam Sheeran. Rebecca Wilde. Julie. Katie Simon. And Kim Jones. Thank you so much for helping out, guys. You make our lives a hell of a lot easier. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> We were able to send a new microphone to Luke. Yes, who desperately needed one. Yes. Yeah. So no, you guys, uh, it, it's just fantastic. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. So now they're actually internationally supporting the Ghost Story guys. It's true. International support is now flowing out from their support. That's amazing. It makes us sound a lot more important than we are. That's, I, I, that's why I made. said it. That's yeah. why I said it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No, so thank you so much, everyone. If you'd like to help us out here at the show, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at the one, five, 10, 20 and $50 level and everything from $5 up, you get access to exclusive content, including the once monthly water cooler episodes where and I talk about all the food we've been eating, movies we've been watching, all the rambling stuff that we don't put into the main show anymore because it got too long. At $10 and up, you get access to our monthly live show. We just had it a couple of weeks ago and for January, the next one is coming up for February. That's right. And that's just a chance for us to hang out with you guys and uh, take your questions live and hear what you have to say to us. Yeah. And we sure like it. Yeah, it was fun. Yes. It went longer than we were meant to. It did, but that's okay. Cause it was, cause it was a good time. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We, I always say 30 minutes because I never know if we're going to have enough to say to fill right. up the time. Really? I've, you and I can't come up with enough to fill 30 minutes? I am a pessimist. <laughs> So again, that's uh, patreon.com slash ghost story guys, if you'd like to help us out. Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We had a ton of mail. Tell me about it. <laughs> of course, Ian feels most of the mail and uh, I would say 99% of the mail. <laughs> and uh, so he has already gotten back to all these folks, but we want to yeah. thank you for getting in touch. Thanks for reaching out, Leslie. Mark. Maureen. Brandy. Amanda. Teresa. Sam. Nan. Arwen. Riley. Sam. Jackie. Becky. Reed. Mary. Rebecca. Gurnur. Chris. Chantel. And James. Yes. And uh, Becky sent some pretty sweet fan art. Yes. And that was uh, a a picture of you with uh, sort of in a stylized way and then with you saying... As you do. <laughs> Which apparently I say too much. <laughs> I think it's just enough. I think that's why she liked it. So that's I, I've heard from other people, it's uh, the other thing I say apparently a lot is holy cats. Really? Yeah. So instead they're trying to incorporate that into their daily into their daily language lexicon, but it just wasn't working for them. So <laughs> I guess it's, yeah, holy cats and as you do. Those as you do. Two catchphrases apparently well after after we posted that up uh becky said you know we had a comment from someone who said well oh there's is there one coming of brennan and uh and becky said oh, I, I couldn't think of a catchphrase for you wow and ouch i know right heartbreaking <laughs> i don't think i have one i i couldn't I, I myself could not think of anything i say enough you say titties a lot i feel like maybe not a great catchphrase probably not <laughs> not one for a t-shirt or something <laughs> The picture was good though. Oh, a great picture. Yeah, she did a great job. I, I was thinking 
Alien breeding program? Sign me up. <laughs> nope. No. No, that's fine. No. Uh, we also had, I, we actually forgot to mention this. We had two really great pieces of fan art from Bob mm, right. a while yeah, back. Yeah, we yeah. mentioned the first one, but he sent another one and we just forgot to mention it. Thank you so much, Bob. Because we're is, terrible people. We really are. Yeah. We're, we're doing our best. We're trying to we keep are. up. Rebecca has offered to bake us a pie, which is pretty sweet. Of Amazing. Her. Yes. I think we're going to take her up on that. Yeah. Yes? I, okay. I said, yeah. I said she had to work it out with you for logistics. Oh, okay. I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned that to me. <laughs> so I will, I'll have a look at there, but thank you, Rebecca. And, uh, because we have so many, we don't, we can't read all of them on the air, but we had a really lovely message from MC. Yeah. And, uh, MC became a patron at the $20 level, which means you get a uh, ghost force magnet. You get, um, a copy of Ian's smash hit 1995 Christian country <laughs> album, aware of wonder digital copy. And you also get three art card postcards yes. that are my, uh, three different shots from my archive of night photography. Yeah. And MC says, thank you for the gorgeous postcards. They're getting framed. We're remodeling our bathroom. They will compliment the ghost story guy's shower curtain. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. I really hope that's a real thing. Please send us pictures. Yes. Please. Cause oh. that is amazing. Oh man. And we also had someone, I think it was Riley reach out asking about, yes, it was Riley asking about the tabs for our theme song because they wanted to learn to play right, it on bass. Yeah. Unfortunately, Peter has deleted all of the old project files. Oh no. I know. He says he likes to start from scratch from time to time. <gasps> so, uh, but I told Riley, I said, if you can figure out the tabs and, uh, post them and maybe a video of you playing it, we'll send you some swag. Yeah. And that goes for anyone. If you want to, uh, remix our theme song or if you want to. Oh, that'd be cool. Or, uh, learn to play it or something like that. Put yeah. up a video, tag us, let us know, and we'll send you something. I don't know what yeah. we'll send you. No, that's cool. Stickers and a bunch of crap. We'll figure yeah, something that's out. That's cool. Copy of Ian's book. He's got a bunch lying around. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm still selling mine. Oh. All right. Shots fired. <laughs> you haven't eaten all day. You're weak. This is a mistake. That's true. <laughs> but yes, if you do, let us know. Uh, speaking of swag, I just wanted to remind everyone, if you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys gear, head on over to our Threadless and Redbubble stores. Yep. The Threadless store is uh, ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. That's good for people in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., I recommend the Redbubble store. And you can either find that via the Shop Now link on our Facebook page or by going to bit.ly slash gsgmerch. Oh, okay. And that'll take you to our Redbubble store. And what's great about that is they uh, charge you in your own currency, right? Yes, they charge you in your own regional currency, and right. shipping is a lot more reasonable. Oh, cool. Yeah, if you buy something from the Threadless store outside of the U.S., shipping is very expensive. Oh, wow. And it's so, they, they charge you solely in U.S. currency. <sighs> um, you can also get all those links at our website, ghoststoryguys.com. Yes, and there will be links to everything there. there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do we have anything coming up? No. No, I don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to do a ghost walk on Sunday, but um, I chickened out because of the snow and Bryn took my spot. That's fair. Thank Did you, she Bryn. have anyone? Uh, yeah, six people. Wow. That's more I know. All right. But they're all from like places where winter isn't a big deal. Right. So right. to them, it was like, oh, it's so warm and snowy. Ugh. And to us, we're like, ah, I, I hate this. Hide under a bridge. I hate it with a fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> I moved here to get away from this nonsense. Yeah. Well, it's like once every two years. Yeah. Fair. Until global warming kills us all. So, That's right. You know. Climate changing. Climate <laughs> change. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Your reviews really help uh, get us in, get us higher and higher. We're averaging, yeah. you know, pretty solid number per show. We're up way more uh, than we used to. Good. Uh, we actually had, uh, how did this work out now? In our first year, uh, I don't remember the specifics, but essentially our second year over our first, 
our traffic quadrupled. Oh. Yes. So I would love for that to happen again this year. That's amazing. And that's all thanks to you guys. I have a great example of someone sharing us. Oh, really? One of our listeners, Brandy, uh, offered to share us in a group she's in. It's a podcast enthusiast group. Oh, okay. And they've got over 20,000 members. And so she offered to set us up uh, as a link to ghoststoryguys.com. Oh, cool. Uh, I tried to do it myself, and I accidentally posted a link to a website called (laughs) guys.com. Not... A site that you frequent often, I'm sure. Not what you'd think it would be. Well, actually, or maybe it is what you think it would be. So thank you, Brandy, for correcting my mistake because I didn't put the link in correctly. Let's just see here, guys. guys Guys.com. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) That's exactly what I expected. (laughs) So Brandy, bless her heart, is going to promote us in that uh, site as uh, something she can do to help share us. That's really cool. Thank you, Brandy. thank you so much. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your mom. Well, (laughs) no, not your mom. Moms. Our show is not really mom approved. Slow down. Slow down. Well, maybe your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Not where I was going, but that's probably better. Yours is probably better. Moving on. Please rate and review us everywhere you can. It just helps get eyes on the show. We'd like to thank our musical guest, Artemisus. Yes. For their song, Why Don't You Laugh? You can find them at artemisus.bandcamp.com. As we mentioned, the video for this song is on YouTube. We'll link that in the show notes. In addition to Bandcamp, you can find them on all the major streaming platforms. If for some reason you'd like to hear more of my voice, you can find (laughs) me over at Largely the Truth. That's my weekly music show on 92.5 Stoke FM. If you're not in the local broadcast area, which most of you are not, you can also listen to that via the web at stokefm.com or via the TuneIn app. Oh, we just had a, a new patron. A new patron, Alisa. Thank you so much. She just became a patron literally this second. Wow, all right. Thank you, Alisa. Thank you so much. We love you. We Yes. Yeah, sure. I'm not allowed to say that because of my court, training order. Court order. The court yeah. order, yeah. <laughs> I sure like you, though. I, li- I love spending time with you. Uh, stop. Just stop. <laughs> just please. All right. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And until then, into the darkness we go. So cool. So I get you to sign some of those for you. Of course. I love it. How many did you get? Five pads. Nice. Like doctor's prescription. Exactly. A prescription for love. <laughs> now my hand hurts. I hope you're happy. I am. Weirdly. <laughs> it brings me delight. That's right. Your pain is like vitamins to me. <laughs> oh, can you hear it? Ugh. I'm almost done. Oh, here, I'll just shake it off. God almighty. You're the worst. I'm putting that in the outtakes. I am. Everyone everyone can hear what a monster you are. How I torture you. That's right. (laughs) Ian just made the sign of the cross. Visceral, yeah. God, do not put that in the outtakes. (laughs) And I nearly karate chopped their throats.